Welcome to Blocks and Talks, the podcast that brings you everything you need to know about LEGO. From covering past, present, and future LEGO sets, to interviews with notable community members, our show covers it all. All right, today I'm joined by an expert mock builder. His name is Jurgen. How are you doing, Jurgen? Hey, I'm fine. All right, yeah. Really appreciate your time. Nice meeting you. And I know your mocks are really impressive. So I just felt like I had to come talk to you and learn more about it all. So um, yeah. I guess you want to just give us a little background about who you are and your whole hobby? Yeah, okay. Um, I'm Jürgen. I'm 46 years old. I'm a mock builder from... Berlin, Germany, and in real life, I'm an architect. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Architect and Lego, that definitely translates well. So, you know, yeah. with Lego, like what got you into Lego? Is there like, you want to just give us like a little background on how you got started and how you got to where you are now? Yes. Um, yeah. I played a lot of Lego as a child between six years and 13 years, maybe. Um, as an 80s child, there uh, was no Star Wars in my childhood, but a lot of uh, Lego City and Lego Technic. And I always loved building Legos. And um, But with 13 or 14, uh, the interest uh, got lost. And it got lost for about uh, 30 years, I think. And I got back into Lego when my son um, was about two or three years old. And he get, gets his first Lego and we started building together. And uh, I found out that uh, building Lego is so, so much fun and it's so creative. And when the first Corona lockdown in 2020 came in Germany, I thought that uh, Lego may be a nice new hobby to make. And um, I bought a Playscale in Millennium Falcon and... And build it and started to do some modifications. And I, um, I discovered on Facebook and Instagram that a lot of other people, um, are doing modifications and are building completely own stuff. And, um, I got completely in this rabbit hole and, um, started modificating other Lego sets like the Playscale 8080 and the Razor Crest. And some point I started building completely own stuff. And then I met Tobias Nieder from, um, aka Brickbot from the Brick Collective and Sebastian Noyes from Brick Moon. And, um, we got a real close collaboration with those two. And, um, I started to do first instructions for my mocks and, um, yeah. Toby and Sebastian supported me a lot of uh, in this whole hobby, and uh, meanwhile I'm yeah I stand on my own feet and do a lot of mocks and have a, a really big community on Instagram and try to help and inspire other people that start building mocks. Yeah, that's wonderful to hear, and it's something really cool to listen to when we talk to like a lot of different people. It's always like. Everyone usually starts out with Lego when they were young. Then there's like that period where they kind of outgrow it, think they're too old for it. And then somehow they just come back to it. So that's always really cool to hear. And, um, you know, with a lot of your mocks, like 
for example, the Y-Wing, the TIE Fighter, Mining Guild TIE Fighter, and so on. It seems like it's predominantly Star Wars. Um, is there a reason why you chose Star Wars in particular? Yeah, of course. I'm I'm a really big Star Wars fan and um, science fiction fan. And um, that's my favorite movie genre. So, yeah, Star Wars was... Uh, was the first choice, and I think Star Wars has um, shaped the whole genre of science fiction. And um, Star Wars has a lot of iconic ships and vehicles, so yeah, that was the start. And currently, I always found other ships in Star Wars universe that are worth to build it. So I didn't skip the uh, the franchise. Yeah, for sure. Star Wars is definitely like a huge pillar of like science fiction and pop culture even to today. So definitely makes sense. But in the future, maybe I I, I switch it. Uh, It's not safe that I stay with Star Wars all days, but currently I have enough uh, ideas what I can build next. So stay with Star Wars. Yeah, for sure. I think with your talent, it can easily convert to like any other theme. Do you have any like particular favorite movies or time periods with Star Wars, or maybe like a certain type of vehicle or class that you really like to model or make designs off of? Yeah, as so, as uh, I was born in 1977, so the only answer can be original trilogy. That's my absolute favorite uh, trilogy of Star Wars, and normally I build stuff from the OT. But I also like Rogue One and I also like The Mandalorian. So, yeah, maybe I do some Mandalorian stuff in the future or Rogue One, something. Yeah, so typically anything like Rebellion or Empire related or around that era. Gotcha. Definitely a lot of really cool and original designs there. And, you know, since you're also an architect and you definitely like design things with different mediums, in your opinion and experience, what do you think makes Lego so unique for creating like custom models and stuff compared to other uh, building mediums and such? Yeah, it's interesting because um, you have so much forms and pieces and it's uh, to create shapes and um, are, it's so variable, the, the whole system. You can build everything with Lego, but also... It's um, sometimes hard to resolve a specific shape in Lego. So the the, the thing that I like most is you can build everything, but some things are really um, hard work to get them done in Lego, to get them clean and and uh, smooth and studless, and um, that's that's what I like this whole hobby. Oh yeah, for sure. It's like it's almost like a puzzle in itself, you know. Like like you said, there's so many different parts that offer like different functions, shapes, and sizes, colors, and whatnot. But even then, like you're still going to have to figure out new ways to create certain shapes and designs that you want. So there's you know there's always like a yeah. learning element to it, which is fun. And sometimes you just uh, spend two hours in scrolling in BrickLink and looking for the, the exact uh, part that you use for uh, a, um, a specific shape on your ship. And then you uh, you find it and yay, it's cool. And then you have to manage how you can attach it and how we can angle it and how the whole shape holds together. And that's really um, fun for me. Yeah, definitely one of the best hobbies out there for sure. 
And, you know, let's jump right into like your mocks and the builds. So I'm not sure if there is like a formula for all of them, but is you want to just like kind of bring us through the whole process between like drafting the idea to start all the way to finishing and having the completed model? Like how does that whole process look? The first point is choosing a ship or vehicle. So I normally took something that I really like, something I like the design and something I have a connection to. Um, and when I have the ship, um, I also check if there are already mocks or mods out there. So you take some ideas from others maybe or see mocks and you think, okay, I can do that better. I have another idea to, to solve the, the shape. And then I start um, researching for photos, blueprints, movie scenes, um, stuff like that. Prints are really um, important because you can measure all the, the sizes of the, the parts of the ship. And then I start designing in Bricklink Studio till I'm visually satisfied with the, with the outer hull. I always start building from outside. I don't uh, build the core, then I attach a hull. I always build the hull. When the hull is finished, I fill the base inside with the framework. The framework is something I do more in uh, physical. So I, when I'm at 80-90% completed with the ship in studio, I go to Bricklink, order the, the parts, and then I start a physical prototype. And the prototype serves to get the ship stable and buildable, and all the, the framework stuff. It's really, for me, better to build it with my own hands so I can see, okay, this is, this is a strong connection or this is a, a weak connection. And um, then I make changes in the, in the physical prototype and I put them back in the digital studio model until both are finished. Then start creating um, the beta version of the instructions with the instruction maker of studio. And then at that point, a friend or a community member gets the beta instructions and uses them for a second test build. For me, this is uh, very important that this, the second test build is important because um, you need to know if someone other understands the building and the, the instructions. I know the model in every part, so for me, it's, the whole thing is clear. But a uh, person who doesn't know the model maybe have problems with some angles of the instructions or doesn't know how to fix it. And so the, the test builder makes comments and corrections to uh, um, instructions. And then I incorporate them back in the studio model. At the end, I have an instruction that is buildable for other peoples. And then the last step is to graphically edit the instructions and then they get published. Wow. Yeah, that's a really detailed process. And I, you know, a couple of takeaways I have is that, you know, first off, I think the fact that you're like, you're considerate of other builders and how they might interpret the build as they go is something that, you know, a lot of like mock builders and stuff overlook. It's like when you are so familiar with the product itself, like you kind of take certain, you know, angles, things and stuff for granted. 
but you know for a new builder that's like picking up this like instruction kit and all and trying to piece it together they might not see it the same way as you do so to be able to like cater to them as well was really smart and yeah really like that then the second yeah, thing that think... oh yeah keep going is there something you want to say yeah, no no problem yeah i think that's really important a lot of builders um, for example, only build digital. And I think you always have to build it physical if you want to release instructions. Otherwise, you don't know if, if some tricky constructions don't hold good together. And in studio, everything holds together. When you build it, you, you, you notice, okay, this is too fragile. You don't get it together. It falls off when you try to put the sections together. And that stuff... Um, you need to do in physical, I think. And Lego is a physical thing. So designing digital is cool, but Lego building always is physical for me. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, you know, at the end of the day, Lego is a physical product. It is a toy. So that is like the best way to have it represented. And another interesting thing you said is that you tend to build from the outside in, if I'm correct, right? Like you like the outer shape first and then the whole later. Yeah, that is really interesting. I I think of all the people I've ever talked to up until this point, I don't think I've ever heard of one person like design it like that. And that really caught me off. Like, you want to explain more of your philosophy behind it? Like, what do you think makes that the optimal way for you or maybe in general? Yeah, I know. For me, the uh, outer shape of the ship is what I want to build. The framework looks inside. It doesn't matter. It's only a thing that all holds together. So I design all the panels and stuff outside. In, in studio, a most at the beginning they're all flying around in the, the uh, specific angles. Sometimes sometimes they're connected with one hinge, or so that you uh, um, that you see this is in the in the Lego system, the angle and the, the how they stand together. And at the end, I tried to figure out how the structure inside could look, get all those panels and uh, engines uh, hold together. And then I feel just the volume inside with the construction. All right, makes sense. Yes, yeah, definitely. I think after hearing that, I can totally see why you do it now. Since you like prioritize outside over in, makes sense. And I think that actually leads me to want to ask about this too, because your details are very detailed. Oh no, sorry. Your models are highly detailed and intricate. So, you know, I'm not saying your models in particular, but I'm sure you know with like other instructions online that people sell where they make very detailed kits, sometimes like stability is comprom or sub stability is sacrificed for looks. And I was wondering what your philosophy on that is. Like, how do you balance with building a mock between it looking good, but at the same time being a stable and sturdy model. Yeah, my mocks are always pure display models, so the appearance is always the key task. But I don't like mocks that fall apart when you look at them for too long. So stability is also an important criterion for me. So I try to solve it as good as the design allows but I would never neglect the design in favor of stability. Fortunately, I have managed to achieve both design and sufficient stability in almost all of my mocks. Um, some are uh, 
really stable, like the TIE Fighter. The TIE Fighter was also very different to get stability. I, I rebuilt the, the wings about four times and the cockpit sections with the pylons also fall apart uh, several times um, until I had the construction idea for how I could uh, manage to hold those uh, slim wings and the slim pylons to get all stable together. And at the end, it was uh, super stable. So it's uh, a really big TIE fighter with four or five kilogram. You can swoosh it. So that is a, a mock where both had um, come good together. The, the, the shape and the stability. Other mocks are a little bit more fragile, but I think they are all handleable. So I think you you could a mock should be as stable that you can pull it from its display stand and handle it and put put it back together on the display stand or in its place without falling apart. So that is the thing I would like to achieve. Yeah, that sounds perfect. So you like it looking really good and that is a priority. But at the same time you want a model that will stand together when handled properly, if that's what I'm getting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when it comes to making these things, is there any like specific building techniques that you like to employ a lot that you want to share that you think like is really, really useful just in general? I don't think I have a unique building technique, but I'm very good at using existing techniques in a creative way. So, uh, and every mock requires real specific building techniques, um, especially when you want to get it smooth and studless. What I use a lot is I uh, I build a lot of panels um, with plates, and not with plates and tiles on it. Um, I build it with bricks on the side. Mm-hmm. What I do, I use a lot of direction changes to get... Um, wings and ships and engines on all sides, uh, smooth and stuffless. So, yeah. All right. That's my key features in techniques, but they're not, I don't have one unique technique, I think. Mm-hmm. So you're just good at the the ones that are already established, not really anything new to the table. Gotcha. Maybe, uh, maybe one or two techniques I found out, but... Uh, I don't know. Maybe others have also used them. I don't think that I'm really a good technique uh, creator. Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine. A good uh, user of techniques. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, your builds, I remember like the Y-Wing in particular, when you compared your Y-Wing with like the UCS ones, it's like really, really big. So... How do you feel about like the official Lego kits versus your models? Like, do you collect these Lego kits at all, or not? Not really care for them. Uh, no, I really don't. Uh, I don't collect Lego sets. Um, I'm really more interested in in building. So uh, most time, I build my old stuff. Um, yeah, the I, I like the I like Lego and I like Lego products and um, but. Especially at UCS models, not all, but a lot of, I think, 
they stop at 70 or 80% of the design process. So I think sometimes they have too much studs. I don't like the, the sticker, the sticker thing. I don't like the colors of the, of the substructures that is also so much colors in there. And they, at several angles, you look at, at a blue pin or at the tan brick or so. So that is stuff I don't like at, uh, at Lego sets. In my mocks, I try to get as close as possible to the design without any compromises to the design. So I try to go with the 100%. I never get the 100% in my uh, opinion, but I try to get as close to the 100%. And I go the extra mile to, to do it as good as possible. So. Yeah, and it seems like your philosophy versus Legos is definitely different. Not saying either one is better than the other, but yeah, it totally makes sense. As you know, with Lego designers, they're a little more restricted in that they have to meet like the price range, make sure the set is like reasonable yeah, to build, easy for like anyone to build and whatnot. So I think that's also what makes Lego so cool. It's like, like you said, like it's so creative in that there's so many different ways to approach it and appeal to different audiences like that. Whereas like maybe yeah. Lego UCS kits might be for more general audience, but yours might be for more talented and experienced like hardcore fans. Yeah, and I think that is really the cool thing about Lego. You can be a fan of the of the Lego sets and collect them, but you can also use the parts and build your own stuff. And uh, all both sides are really cool. So I think Lego collecting Lego is cool and building Lego is cool. Doing both is cool. Or doing only one is cool. So yeah, that's a cool range of a hobby, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. So much flexibility. And you know, among all your builds, like you said with the TIE Fighters, you went through different iterations. But is there one specific build that really stood out as like the hardest one to make you satisfied with? Like, is there a cool story behind any of them? I don't know if there's a cool story about it, <laughs> but I think the, the Y-Wing is, is really the hardest build I made because it's it's so big and it's so heavy and I and it had such a slim construction, so I had a lot of trouble to get the engines stable. I rebuilt the engines four or five times. But the cockpit panels were really horrible to get them clean and uh, and holding together but at the end now it's standing here next behind me it looks cool it's it's stable enough so i'm really satisfied that i have uh, could have managed to get this thing done yeah yeah i i remember like seeing the y-wing too i think that was a really impressive one like when you compared like i said before when you compared it to the ucs ones it just makes the ucs ones look like a toy which kind of blew my mind because the UCS one's already pretty big on their own but to have one yeah. like even bigger is like wow yeah and it's uh, uh has tripled the weight i think <laughs> oh, yeah how many pounds is it about or uh kilograms uh, uh five kilograms i think okay so yeah it's pretty heavy for a he lego yeah yeah nearly eight thousand parts wow yeah, if Lego made that, they'd definitely charge you a lot of money for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but building mine is also not uh, not a cheap one. 
Yeah, fair enough. Legos, I guess that's something for new Lego fans. Lego's not a cheap hobby if you want to get into it. Definitely come prepared. No, not at all. And, you know, uh, with your Instagram and all on social media, you've definitely like, had your own fan base and everything. Is there any cool, memorable experiences you had with, like interacting from Star Wars communities or Lego communities with like your builds? Yeah, I had a lot of positive reactions, especially on Instagram or on Facebook. Um, and I really like to share the stuff uh, on social media. But the most memorable reactions are always at exhibitions or conventions when you see people, when the people see the models the first time in real life and they see how big they are and, and uh, if you can talk to them and uh, yeah, some people there to ask you if you can touch something or if you can turn around or open something to look in and they're really shy to ask and uh, I always say yeah touch it uh, it's Lego <laughs> the worst thing is it falls apart and I put it together um, the most memorable thing uh, when a guy came to me to my booth and talked about my TIE fighter about half an hour and then he dared to ask if he could lift it and hold it for a photo and uh yeah i said yeah of course you can and um yeah he was screaming like a like a chessire cat <laughs> and that's that's cool moments so i always talk, like to talk uh, to people in person and talk about the mock talk about the hobby and stuff it's always cool stuff yeah that definitely sounds really wholesome and cool and um you know I'm sure this is not your last project ever. So you, if you don't mind, you want to like share with us like some insight on your upcoming projects or any projects you're working on right now? Um, yeah, the, the Y-Wing is, is still a uh, work in process thing. So, and I have um, processed the Coruscant airspeeders from episode two. I'm working on them. Yeah. Uh, some ideas for the next uh, stuff. I, I think I will stay in this one to sixteen scale because I like the like the size. Maybe not so big like the Y wing, but all those air speeders or land speeders are really cool in that scale. So they have a nice size, so thirty or forty centimeters, and you can do a lot of details and cool shapes. So I think. 1 to 16 is my scale. Yeah, sounds good. And it's also cool, as I know you mentioned before, that you were an original trilogy guy, but it looks like this time you're dabbled in the prequels with those upcoming things. So that's always cool to hear. And yeah, I, I like the prequels, but I have to say, I don't like all the ship design of the prequels. There are some, they are really cool, but a lot of. Uh, the prequel design is not so 100% my thing. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think me personally, I, I found a lot of the Clone Wars types of vehicles very intriguing. But, the, you know, to each their own. And, yeah. uh, you know, we have a lot of listeners who are maybe newer or more uh, on the beginner end of mock building and such. So with your veteran experience, like, do you have any words of wisdom or advice for these newer builders? Yeah, I would say um, 
if you want to start, I would always uh, think you should start modifying some existing sets. So you have, when you start modifying an existing set, you have a stable ship. You can add stuff, you can make it cleaner, or you can replace stuff. So that's a good start to get into this whole building thing. And I think most of the people, they see, okay, um, like that, and they automatically start to build their own stuff. And I think you should try if you are better in physical or digital building. I think both has... Um, has their opportunities if you want to build digital you are free you have all the parts there are all colors all parts it's also hard to find the right parts that's the hard thing on the digital side physical you can always try it's it's much easier to build but you need to have the the parts so if you don't have the right part you can't build it so everyone has to find out if you physical or digital or a mix of both and um but i would suggest to build physical at some point of the whole thing because as we already said lego is a physical thing and if you don't build physical you may lose the touch of what is working and what is not working so i would always prefer to build it in physical at the end yes yeah, some great words of advice there Definitely appreciate all your time today, Jurgen. Love the talk. Learned a lot today. And is there any yeah. like social media or anything you want to share with everyone? Yeah, yeah. My Instagram account, I think, is the is my main account where I uh, publish and share most of the stuff I do. So yeah, my Instagram account, Jurgen Wittner. Um. Yeah. Thanks again, and thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Blocks and Talks. We also made a YouTube channel recently, so don't forget to add us there. Also called Blocks and Talks. And yeah, hope you guys enjoyed, and catch you next time. Take care. Uh, thank you for having me. <laughs>